This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We're talking ice fishing. This is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Kyle Agri here with Anthony Kleinwachter. We are your hosts. We are extremely glad to be back here for episode two of the sixth season of the podcast. Anthony, um, it's always good to have the first episode, you know, under the belt and and be done with that one. And, and now we're moving ahead into the season. Yeah, before we know it, we'll be on the ice. We'll be halfway through the season and everything will be good. But until then, I, there's still a lot of anticipation in the air. I know both you and I, we recently put the boats away and we're doing a little bit of fall hunting, but cold weather's maybe not right in the near distant future, but I know hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, the the cold will be coming in. I've been really watching that forecast and anxiously awaiting for the cold to get here. I'm, I'm okay with it being a little bit warmer for deer hunting as long as it's, you know, cool enough to have the deer moving and everything. But once deer hunting's over, I'm really hoping mother nature brings us a nice batch of cold. Yeah. Anthony, isn't that the continuous battle for any of us outdoor people is, you know, you've got the moment at hand, the thing you're doing right now. And, and for both you and I, like you said, the boats are away. We're, we're focused on deer hunting, but it's not like a hundred percent focus on deer hunting because you're like me, right? Your mind is always thinking ahead. Yeah. I'm out in the deer stand right now. I'm in the blind. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But what do I got to do to get ready for ice fishing? What did I miss? What am I thinking? Where's that first outing going to be? And I find myself in that scenario year round. I'm always thinking about the next trip, the next outing, the next season, the next pursuit, whatever it is. I guess that's what kind of keeps the compass pointed in the right direction and the motivation there. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Always looking forward. I'm kind of glad that it's been maybe a a little bit warmer because then I won't have to jump right from the deer stand and getting my ice stuff ready. There'll, There'll probably be a little buffer there where I can get some more gear ready, do an inventory on what I have, what I need. I know that's always really important. And, you know, just being able to kind of prep for the upcoming season. I, I hate feeling rushed and, you know, having that time to spend going through your gear, making sure everything's still good, you know, make sure that there's, you know, fresh line on your rods and your reels and making sure that the heaters are working and everything's good to go. So I'm kind of glad that it's been a little bit warmer. Uh, we'll probably have a couple of weeks before where there's, you know, any walkable ice within uh, the short distance from us. I know some of our maybe Northern listeners will be a little bit, a little bit luckier to get on the ice before us. But I know for me, it it's one of those things. And, and then maybe it'll, you know, wait until after Thanksgiving so we can spend that time with the family and you're not just like itching to try and be like, oh, there's walkable ice. We could be out there. So um, it'll be good. I know it'll be here before we know it. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it last episode. The ice show season will be here. That'll yes take up some of our time. So, you know, it's always harder to do those shows when there's people out ice fishing. So, um, and we're, we're stuck indoors, but we really appreciate having those ice shows back and being able to talk with, uh, talk with people, talk with, uh, all the ice fishermen out there. Cause I mean, that's, it's something we missed out on last year. And it's something I know both you and I look forward to is spending that time out there. Yeah. And for sure, Anthony, and speaking of ice shows, um, I, we should throw this out there, right? Because 
I know it's a couple of episodes down the road here and down the calendar, but for Shack Talk, we're going to be, we're actually going to be recording an episode of Shack Talk at the Fargo Ice Fishing Show. And that's December. Make sure I get the dates right here. It's the 10th, 11th, and 12th of December. Uh, and so there's going to be a lot of folks at that show. There's going to be a lot of vendors, a lot of experts, a lot of, a lot of professionals. We want to know from you, the listeners of Shack Talk, what you want to hear. So we, we already know we're going to be there and set up and we're going to pull some guests off the floor for some, some interviews, but drop us a line. So you can either drop a line personally to Anthony or myself. You can message the Eskimo Facebook page. Tell us, what do you want to hear? Like, what topics do you want to hear about? Who do you want to hear from? And what we're going to do is try and, and look at those requests and, and put together a plan and, and pull some folks off and ask them, conversation based on what you want to hear. Yeah. Not everybody's able to get to a show and you know, we want to be able to share that with the listeners as well. So yeah, I think it'll be fun to, to talk about the ice show when we're there and you know, something that we can just kind of add to the listeners and then be able to, to kind of live through us um, and through our eyes at the show. I know I'm looking forward to it and seeing all the new gear and hanging out with uh, some of the friends that we have in the industry and it'll, it'll be a good time. Yeah, and and it I'm I'm excited about doing uh doing a podcast in that venue and I mean who knows maybe we just pull John Q Public off the floor and haul him on in and say let's just talk some ice fishing today and and uh, I don't know we're, we're the slate is wide open I guess is what I'm saying Anthony and for and for all of our listeners we want to hear from you we want to hear what you want and and we'll we'll do our best to come up with a plan from that and and make it happen absolutely. Hey, speaking of, um, you know, speaking of getting the, the ball rolling here, um, today's podcast is, I'm extremely excited because we're going to have one of these guys on as a guest here in just a couple of minutes who is, he's, he's extremely well-known. He's extremely well-known in terms of his, his content, both uh, for the entertainment value for those who appreciate the outdoors, but also for the educational value. We're going to invite and, and welcome Jay Siemens Many of you know him from his YouTube videos and his social media presence, but we're going to have a conversation with him about, you know, ice fishing 101. Anthony, I think that's just an incredibly relevant topic right now. Yeah, there's so much, so much of an influx of new people to ice fishing in general. And so we thought it would be a great idea to maybe get back to the basics a little bit, provide some information and I know both you and I, we, we always learn something new when we're having a conversation, even if it is basic, you think about things a little differently or, you know, when you're having those conversations or people are asking you, Hey, well, what do I need? Like, if you haven't thought about it for a while, it's hard to be like, well, maybe you need this or you don't need this. And, you know, we don't want to steer people astray. We want to try and give them, you know, as many options as they can and be, be informative with our responses and, give them the best experience out on the ice. Cause that's really what it's about is if you, if you have a bad first experience, that's, you know, might keep you from coming back to the sport. And so we want to do our best to, to point people in the right direction. Definitely without any doubt. And you know what, honestly, whether you're a brand new ice angler, brand new to the sport, obviously just the basics and the fundamentals are, are incredibly important, but it doesn't matter if you're somebody uh, my age, your age, Anthony, and, and you've been doing it for your entire life. I'm always an advocate of saying every so often it's good to go back and just refresh those fundamentals and the basics and, and make sure that that foundation is there as you, you go out on the newest, latest, and greatest destinations and gear and all that stuff. So this is going to be a great conversation. 
folks, we're going to take a really, really quick break here. Just we're going to break for a couple of seconds. We're going to bring Jay in. We're going to continue that conversation. We appreciate having you on Shack Talk today. Give us a second. We'll be right back with Jay Siemens. We are excited to bring in our next guest for the Shack Talk podcast. It's someone that we had on last year, and it was a really great segment, but we really didn't dive into the ins and outs of ice fishing. We talked a little bit more about life and, you know, the the path that we were on and our social fishing conversations, talking just about ice fishing in general and, you know, how things were going. And we were right in the smack dab middle of the, the pandemic last year. So I thought it would be good. And Kyle and I agreed it'd be good to bring in somebody with some some knowledge on ice fishing and, and help us kind of key in on maybe getting back to some of the basics, helping people out that may be new to ice fishing this year or last year, what they need to know, what they can do this year to kind of get prepared for ice fishing. And so we want to welcome to the podcast, uh, Jay Siemens. Jay, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. This is, uh, normally I'd, I'd probably be almost be on the ice already, but we're, we're a couple of weeks behind up here. So it's going to be an interesting, an interesting freeze. I'm checking my forecast like every day, and uh, it's it's going to be a bit yet. I might be I might be driving pretty far north to find ice. Well, I I have to imagine you're getting some frosty mornings here because we have in the states uh, uh, as of late the last couple mornings. I mean, you, you're scraping a good layer of fo- frost off the windshield, so that's promising. Yeah, like the 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 little duck ponds are starting to show a little bit of ice, but uh, I mean, I, I think what people don't realize is like every lake freezes so differently too, right? So it's like you could I could drive 18 hours north, but there might be a lake that's shallower five hours north that freezes earlier. So there's so many dynamics to that and elevation. I saw pictures of people ice fishing already. Um, but they were like, I think it was maybe in Colorado. There's always people that get on the ice super, super early. And I think it's because they're up in the mountains and the elevation just makes that big of a difference. Yeah. That high elevation and the colder temperatures hit them a lot sooner. And yeah, um, yeah we're all just, sitting here with with a high level of anticipation and oh yeah ready to go which is a which is kind of a fun thing right as you look ahead to to the excitement that's coming just want to reference back jay because last year you did a series of videos on really the fundamentals of ice fishing and and that's kind of what spurred anthony and i to have this shack talk tell us a little bit about what your thought process was or your motivation to to how that idea came about um, when I got into fishing, I, my dad wasn't really an angler. He, 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 he could fish and, 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 you know, do the basics, but, um, you know, my grandpa was more so of an avid angler, but the thing is like, not all of us have uh, a dad or a grandpa or an uncle that's a, a hardcore fisherman. Right. And that's, that's how you learn. So for me growing up, so much of it was, you know, going out with like other anglers taking me under their wing. And obviously social media has made that, you know, a lot easier to connect with people. Still want to be, you know, careful just going fishing with strangers on the internet. I, I didn't have any bad experiences, but um, the thing is, if I can help teach people that way, because sometimes it's intimidating, you might not have an opportunity to go with someone else. So it's like, if I can be that person virtually and, and because there's no dumb questions in ice fishing, it's, it's a foreign concept for a lot of people. So I thought, you know, the 10 part series I made last year, I knew that fishing license sales were up. I think they were up. 30 or 40%. You can tell also by the shortage of ice fishing gear and any outdoor gear across the board, right? 
So I was like, you know what, if I can teach people from the basics, because sometimes you flip on, uh, you know, a YouTube video, a TV show, and you're watching high level stuff, you know, but high level only pertains to 5% of the angers out there, right? 95% are like, sorry, why would I want an eight inch auger over 10 inch auger? And what's the difference between a flip over shack and a pop-up shack? So that's kind of my thought process on, okay, let's, let's start right from the basics. The, the nice thing about your series is it, it really touched on everything. You know, if you're going out and looking for a how-to video on something, I mean, there's probably a hundred different how-to videos, but I, I think the nice thing about your series, it was kind of the, the complete guide, you know, kind of at the basic level of so many different topics. And Kyle and I agreed that we thought it'd be fun to kind of maybe just touch and highlight on some of those. Um, obviously there's a, probably a pretty big rabbit hole. We could go down on pretty much yeah. any one of the topics, but you know, for a new angler, I think kind of looking at your series, what would you say would be the most important video to watch? I mean, the ice safety. And that's the reason I did that one first is like beyond all the gadgets and the gear and, and how to dress and all that stuff. It's like, if you, if you break through the ice, that other stuff doesn't really matter. Right. So you need to make sure you're safe on the ice because yeah, like you, you can't just say ice is safe because there's always variables. Lake of the woods, you could be driving trucks in one area and you go one Island over and all of a sudden there's open water. So you need to treat all ice. Like, you know, you're the first person checking it. So yeah, I think just understanding the differences of cloudy ice versus clear ice. And then some of those main factors are going to cause dangerous ice, right? It's going to be, um, current currents, a big one, you know, anywhere with deeper water is going to be later to freeze, right? Cause it's going to hold on to that heat. So like Lake of the woods, for example, there's, there's back base that I could be out on while 90% of the lake is still wide open. So, I mean, yeah, knowing what those variables are and then also thinking, you know, there's also certain things that will cause ice to de- deteriorate faster later in the season. So like access points where people drive on and off. Um, once again, current will be that ice ridges, pressure ridges where, two sheets of ice will push together and pull apart. Those are, you know, major danger zones. But whenever you're looking for ice, you want clear ice. And I mean, you really want four inches of clear ice to be walking on. Um, And then I know different people have different numbers in their mind for driving. But if you have 16 inches of clear ice, you can pretty much be driving a a pickup truck as long as, you know, you're, you should be checking as you go. But, uh, you know, rule of thumb, general is kind of four inches of clear ice. You could get away with less, but it, it also depends. Like if you, if you want a chance and go on thinner ice, you need to be willing to like, I've broken through the ice in test scenarios and in just real life fishing scenarios. And it's like, I think it's good to be exposed to that. Um, I, I'd rather expose yourself in a controlled environment and not everybody wants to go through the ice, but you know, I think staying calm in a situation like that is, uh, is uh, like, like you said, I could just keep talking about this forever. There's ice safety is a big one. Yeah. It's, and four inches, four inches of ice. That's a, that's a consistent four inches. I mean, I'm sure you've yeah. seen it. We've seen it. I mean, ice can change in a matter of feet from being four inches to two inches or less. Oh yeah. It's wild. And it's, <laughs> that's the reason to be, you know, be so safe and cautious early ice. Yeah. And I think just the main tools, I mean, a spud bar is essentially like a big piece of rebar that you chisel the ice um, as you walk every couple steps that that's, if you want it, you know, early in the season, later in the season, you could just be drilling holes as you go with your auger. Um, but then, you know, if, if you're able to afford it, a floating suit is great. Um, I've worn life jackets, but also, you know, life jackets aren't ideal. They're not made to function in the cold weather, but if you don't have a floating suit, I mean, a life jacket is your next best thing. And then ice picks. I always wear ice picks around my neck, like definitely early season. And it just gives you something to grip. So essentially they're two little 
spikes in your hands that uh, will retract and then stick out when you push them into the ice. So that's a way you can, you know, claw, claw your way out if you ever get yourself into that situation. You know, all these safety tips and advice are, there's a, there's a safety element to everything we do in life, right? And certainly in the outdoors there is, but, but in the wintertime on the ice, I mean, that, that certainly is elevated. I've not ever broke through. And I have to imagine though, that you cannot replicate that scenario without actually doing it. Um, Cause you can think, think it through a million times in your head, but actually being in that situation. And so being prepared ahead of time has to be huge. We interviewed a couple of guys last year that, that had fallen through the ice and, uh, and they had worn those float suits and said the one thing they appreciated the most is the fact that versus a life jacket, that float suit floated their legs up. So it was much easier to get yeah. out, of the, out of the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of those suits will drain the water quicker as well, rather than maybe a conventional suit. So when you get out of the water, it'll drain it too, because you know, getting out of the ice is half the battle and then it's potentially dealing with your hypothermia, freezing, whatever that might, might be after that. Right. Yeah, definitely. And you know, folks, we're talking now and, and we're talking and there's no way we can cover it all in this podcast. Highly recommend going on out to Jay's channel and watching those videos and honestly, not even just people who are new to the sport, but for all of us, I find that even all of the years I've spent venturing out onto the ice, it's still a good refresher to go back to those basics, you know, just, just refresh yourself on the fundamentals. So once we get past ice safety, Jay, what are some of the other topics that you kind of expound on and, and share information on? Oh, we talk about, I mean, how to dress the different types of ice shacks, different types of augers rods, tip-ups, um, you know, how to find fish, um, electronics. And I, I think like the biggest overarching thing people need to realize is like, you need to just work with what you have. I don't want someone to be discouraged because they don't have the latest live imaging technology or a flip over shack. Like if you need to, you know, drive out of the ice and find a spot or, or walk out wherever you need and you need to use an ax to chisel a hole or, um, you know, use your open water fishing rod. I think it's just people, people think, Oh, I need this. I need that. I need that. But it's like, well, you can also cater your fishing choices to whatever you want to do. Right. Like if you don't have, uh, you know, live imaging, well, finding crappies might be tougher, but well, maybe, maybe do some shallow water tip up fishing for pike because instantly electronics don't really matter for that situation. Right. Or do sight fishing. So I think if you're willing to be flexible too, you can, you can catch them as good as anybody without, without all of the gear, obviously all the gear is fun. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a gear guy myself, but there's times where it's like, you know, people have suggested, Jay, why don't you do a video just with uh, no electronics and, and, you know, minimal gear. And I've, I've done videos like that, but I, I like using the gear. So it's, you can make it work. You just need to be content with, with where you're at. Right. Yeah. And part of that, isn't that, isn't that in my mind, part of that is the growth of some individual in the sport, right? So you've got, everybody starts somewhere and, yeah. and when you learn the basics, then you've got that opportunity to, to grow in some place to, to take your passion. Absolutely. And, and you don't want to go out and buy everything and then realize, well, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more of the type of guy that just wants to ice fish, you know, for a couple of weeks in March. Right. I, I don't I, really I, like I, the cold. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got November till, till April here, ice in the North country. So it's like, you've got to love it because it's a long winter, right? For our listeners, Jay, just share a little bit about where you're located because you are absolutely living the dream when it comes to the ice fishing world. 
I, I'm in the I'm in the Mecca. And and the crazy thing is like you go further south. So I'm in Kenora on the north end of Lake of the Woods. Um, but we just don't, I mean, our population in the summertime is 15,000 people. In the winter, or sorry, in the summer, it's 50, uh, summer it's 45,000. In the winter, it drops to 15,000. So it triples in the summertime. So the winter, it gets pretty small. So you've got 15,000 people living in an area with, I don't even know how many lakes I could fish within 20 minutes of my house, but like hundreds, like I'll never fish all the lakes. So it's paradise. You know, if you like ice fishing, it's a long winter, you know, November till April, we can be on ice most years. And um, yeah, I mean, there's Lake of the Woods, which has a maze of ice roads. And uh, it's quite the destination because you can do a, a little bit of everything here. It's, um, it's been, it's been a dream destination. I would always come here, you know, growing up and then just happen to uh, marry a girl from Kenora. And I, I made the sacrifice to, to move to Kenora, which is the ongoing joke we make. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I think getting back to, you know, the gear and getting into the sport, I think it's important for people to realize too, like if you don't have somebody like that to lean on and you're, you know, watching these videos to get that education, you know, reach out to other anglers or, you know, talk to people. I don't know how many people I've, I'd be willing to borrow my gear to, or, you know, I've got extra stuff. I've probably yeah. got too much gear. Like somebody needs a rod and a reel or some, some ice fishing jigs to get started. I mean, there's probably a half a box full that probably didn't even get touched in the last two or three years. So, I mean, you know, I think for anybody listening, reach out to people. Um, there's always people willing to help. And I think, you know, with the day and age of social media, hop in, you know, to different groups or forums or different things like that. I know when I got started, I, I learned a lot from those. And I know there's a lot of people out there willing to to help out as well. Absolutely. I, I'd say fishermen are pretty generous. And yeah, we, some of us have too much gear, which I'm sure all three of us in this conversation fall in that category. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's great to lend it to people. It's like I lent, I lent uh, my pop up to my neighbor the other day and he took us, or not the other day, last winter. And he took, uh, he took his whole family ice camping. There's five of them that slept in the in the 650 and uh, he said this is amazing he says i need a bio in this winter and it's like that, that's cool right it's you know that that's a whole nother topic is ice camping is getting so popular too and um it's just another winter activity right well and there's so many of us with so much gear that you know i'm i'm always upgrading and doing different things so you don't have to buy new i mean look for look for stuff on on social media and on web, um, buy some used stuff. I mean, if you can find stuff that's only a year yeah. old, I mean, I think that's a good opportunity for people as well. Absolutely. Yep. Let's just talk about a, on a basic level, Jay. So you've got a, a, a new angler and they've got a little bit of a budget to spend and they want to, they want to equip themselves. They're not going to go, you know, jump in over their head, but they, they want some good basic gear. What are a few pieces that you'd recommend as being kind of the, the starter kit for an ice angler? Yeah. I mean, obviously the first thing is, is drilling a hole um, as much as you can make it work with an ax or a hand crank auger. I think some sort of motorized auger is going to make your life a lot better. Electric um, is, is kind of taking over, you know, there's still, you know, a place for gas and, and propane, but I think electric is, I mean, personally what I like to use, um, and if you have a good cordless drill, I mean, uh, a pistol bit is, is like the drill attachment um, for, your, for your cordless drill. And, and that's pretty amazing because all of a sudden it's, it's that much cheaper to get yourself a drill. So a pistol bit, get yourself, uh, you know, I'd say a pop-up style shack. Um, you can fit more people. Uh, you don't need a truck to fit it in. So a pop-up style, like a hub shack. Um, and then, uh, you know, after that, really a heater just to just make yourself comfortable because instantly then you can go fishing no matter what the weather is. 
if you don't have a shack, you're kind of limited to the nice days. And then I think, you know, the next thing after that would be um, some sort of ice fishing electronics, but same thing. Like there's ways that you can, if you have the open water stuff, right. If you have open water rods and it's a difference between buying a heater or buying ice fishing rods, well, I would say get yourself a heater first because that's going to allow you to fish any day, no matter what the weather. And people don't understand like you can be fishing in a t-shirt when it's minus 40 below. And the reason I use minus 40 is because that's the crossover for us Canadians and Americans minus 40 is cold. And you can be in one of those thermal shacks and uh, you know, you get the heater going and you're in a t-shirt and your jeans. So it's, it's that has changed ice fishing more than anything. It's just how comfortable it's gotten. Absolutely. As far as, you know, I mean, I, like you said, we could dive into all the different topics. If you were to, besides getting the hole in the ice, obviously yeah. a shack is, you know, pretty important. As far as like electronics, I know we talked a little bit about it. Talk somebody through maybe that's new to ice fishing. What, what kind of entry level would be and like the benefits of that? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're getting into fishing and this, this could be more than like, if you're getting into fishing in general, ice fishing at open water, I would just get yourself a crossover unit, whatever that might be. If that's like, uh, keep in mind what mapping there is for your area. So in my area, hummingbird Lake master is some of the best mapping. I know in other areas in Manitoba, Lawrence has better mapping. Um, so I, I would say that should be something you should keep in mind, talk to some locals and see, Hey, what, what graph would suit this area. And then after that, get, get a crossover unit probably because for four or 500 bucks, you get something that you can put on the boat and then also use it for ice fishing, which is really good. Um, people often ask me, you know, underwater camera or sonar underwater camera has more of a cool factor. Um, it definitely helps you catch fish at times. Um, but it, it depends. Like if I had, you know, kids in a family and I want to entertain them, that underwater camera is probably going to entertain them more than a flasher is. Um, probably not as good for quick searching and running and gunning. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, you could, you could get both, but uh, underwater camera, you need clear water too. So I'd say get yourself, you know, a, a crossover unit, or if you want something more ice specific, you know, there's a lot of flasher options, a flasher being like, it essentially is giving you a real time reading of what you're seeing. And then if you really want to spend some money, you get yourself some sort of live imaging, you know, all the, all the big brands have it now. And uh, basically it's, yeah, it's like uh, an ultrasound. You're getting a real time reading out in front of you and you can see fish interaction on a whole new level. So, you know, live scope has, has kind of changed the way I ice fish. Um, but you definitely don't need it. You still get rejected by fish the same way. And you still catch, if a fish wants to eat your lure, it doesn't matter if you have live scope or not. So it's absolutely changed the way I fish. I'm, I'm no longer content just sitting somewhere and hoping that there's fish around because you yeah. can pan it around and you'd be like, well, there's nothing here. What am I doing here? Yep. There's no you hiding. Know? The fish can't hide anymore. And it's like, it's scary how good that technology is. Like I was talking to someone else and I'm like, they, they've outlawed uh, the use of drones for big game hunting. Like imagine if you're going moose hunting or deer hunting, you could fly your drone and, and scout out so that you can't even have your drone along when you're hunting. And I'm like, man, fishing won't get that strict that they would outlaw it, but it's like, it's kind of similar. It's like, you're going to see the fish if he's there. He's not going to hide. There are situations where they can hide in the rocks, maybe hide in some shallower weeds, but overall it's like you have x-ray vision into the water. So it's good. I know I'm getting really hyped up about it. You don't need it. Um, but if, if you are spending a lot of time on the ice, it, it's, it's kind of one of those luxuries that. As I think we talk about beginners into the sport, you also look at where, like we talked earlier, where can you go? Where can you grow into the sport? And 
And maybe that's not step one, but certainly down the line, I think that's something that everybody looks at and thinks, man, that'd be kind of cool to try. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was going from like uh, a hand crank auger to a gas auger, my first shack and then a heater and then my first flasher. And then, you know, every year, you know, it, can't necessarily get it all in one winter, right? So you're just kind of like refining every year. You kind of figure out what you need, what you like. And like, like you said, you don't need to buy new either. Use, use is a great option um, to figure figure out what, what you want to do. And uh, yeah, ice fishing has come a long way in the last, I mean, even since I've started, right? There was very few people that had electronics. Now it's like, if you don't have electronics uh, or if you don't have an electric auger, people are kind of looking at you funny, but that's, that shouldn't stop someone from getting into it, right? You, uh, you need to convince that buddy that has all the gear to take you out, yeah. which might also cost your bank account a bit, but. Well, yeah, and that's not saying you can't go in with a buddy and, and go absies on an auger or whatever um, and, yeah. and and share the gear. I know plenty of people who do that. We, yeah. We've actually talked, Jay, about doing a segment on the podcast about um, the Craigslist angler, right? And and yeah. uh, um, just what do you do when you buy used gear? How do you tell if it's, if it's going to give you what you're looking for or not. And that's, that's a whole nother topic for another day, but yeah, that's a really good point. It doesn't have to be brand new out of the box. If you're looking at just getting a, a starting setup to get out there and enjoy the sport. No. And, and like I said, if you're unsure about getting something, talk to one of your buddies that has gear, ask if you can borrow it. And I think that's a great, uh, a great way to, to see if it's something you think you need. Hey, what about, what about rod reel, tackle, all that sort of stuff? I mean, that, that can be an endless rabbit hole, right? Uh, all of us, you said you're a gearhead, I'm a gearhead, Anthony is too, and, and tackle is probably the worst addiction of all. What's some good advice for basic startup there? Oh, basic startup. Um, man, I, I would say try to, you know, try to get combos that have as much crossover as possible. You know, something you can do panfish and walleye with. Um, and I know a lot of people like to go like buy ice specific reels, use for ice fishing. A lot of your open water reels you can use. So it saves you some money there. Um, man, tackle such a big, uh, such a big thing. Like I think get yourself some small jigs, some jig and spoons, some rattle baits. Like that's pretty much it. That's the beauty of ice fishing is you can take a little tackle box along and kind of have everything, you know, there's, there's like, you're not really using big baits as much. I mean, there's specific scenarios where you might be, fishing for pike or lake trout or something, but you can get away with a pretty small kit. Like I, I would say 90% of the time when I'm walleye fishing, I have a tungsten jig on my dead stick and I'm jigging, you know, a jigging spoon on the other rod. And like you get a setup with eight pound, 10 pound braid that's going to handle walleye, you know, perch, you can do panfish with it too. So, um, I mean, you can get more specialized combos, but just trying to find those, those crossovers. And I like a noodle tip rod for a lot of stuff. I know ice rods in general are trending a little bit longer, um, I remember when I started having like a 24 inch ice rod and the thing is like every head shake, the rod goes straight, which gives the fish slack and is, is not good, obviously. Right. So, I mean, I, I would say most of my ice rods are like 39 to 42 inches, kind of in that length. And they're a little more work to transport and sometimes a little tighter in the shack, but it's more forgiveness. It's a little easier when you're standing and fishing. Um, so I would say that that's a, a pretty big trend. And you talked a little bit about crossover when you're talking that for panfish, walleye, perch bike what do you what kind of action are you specifically talking about for maybe somebody that's looking to get in a good combo yeah like i mean the the term noodle tip could be used for a lot of different ice rods but something with a pretty soft tip that look soft tip that loads up so like 
dead sticking, meaning just letting your rod and sit, like putting a rod in a bucket and sitting there. Cause in a lot of places you're allowed to use a second or third line. Like I want something that the fish can eat the bait and kind of load up the rod and, and not feel resistance right away. So that'll be like a, a, you know, a 39 medium light I use for a lot of stuff or a 39 light. Um, so it's got, you know, a decent bit of backbone. It can still handle a big fish if you need, but that, that tip is very soft. Um, and then, uh, you know, like a, that's like a 42 to 45 inch, like medium to medium heavy. You can get away with like big, big walleye or rattle baits and do some lake trail with it as well. I mean, there's unique scenarios where if you're using a 10 inch tube jig or like laying a, a full tool be on the bottom of the lake, you might want that crazy big meat stick of a rod. But yeah, I think for the jigging spoons, active baits, you want something with a little more backbone, not as soft as a tip, not softer of a tip. So like a, you know, medium, uh, medium action. And, uh, and then for your secondary rod or for one that you favor more to panfish is something a little softer tip, but, uh, yeah. And then there's the whole topic of, you know, using a jaw jacker or they're not legal in Minnesota. Are they, you guys are in North Dakota though, or Minnesota? Well, we both live in North Dakota, but we fish both States in yeah. terms of bodies of water. So like our jaw jackers legal in North Dakota? I believe so. It's kind yeah. of a great thing in a lot of areas until you actually talk to conservation, but some of them say you can't use a spring loaded uh, spring loaded lure, but how, how that works out, basically what a jaw jacker is for you guys that don't know is it's this device that your rod loads up and it's got a little clip. And when the fish bites, it sets the hook. So it's not legal everywhere, but it's great for specific situations like stock trout, walleye, that sort of thing. So that's often what I use for my secondary line. And then you want a rod that specifically has a lot of bend. You wouldn't want to use a stiff rod for something like that. So I'm always thinking like, what are more situations I can use this gear for? So like that noodle tip I'm talking about is a rod I can use in that jaw jacker as well, or something you use with it, you know, an iFish Pro, which is another uh, tip-up style for your rod. Um, Speaking of tip-ups, Jay, where, where do they come in for the beginner? Is that something that we should all have in our back pocket as we start ice fishing and, and learning what this sport is about? So, I mean, a tip-up, it, it takes different forms, as I mentioned, but one of the biggest pieces of, of advice I can give someone is like, take advantage of that second or third line when you're ice fishing. Because there's times where I've been fishing for crappies and I was like, well, I'll set out a tip up for pike anyways. The crappies weren't biting that day and caught a 40 inch pike on the tip. I've got one flag all day, but that was the fish of the day, right? So it's, it's one of those things where I think bigger than tip ups, it's just using your secondary line, but a tip up is nice because depending on what model you have, it keeps your hole from freezing. It's essentially, you know, a, a device that a flag pops up when the fish takes your bait. So it's, it's, you know, for pike fishing, I would just have two tip ups out, but there's situations where there might be walleye fishing and you want to have a live minnow out farther away as well for like for walleyes and they're easy to transport. They're quicker to set up than a rod and reel often. Um, so, you know, you can use two lines and so often that'll, that'll make the day. So sometimes people are like, I just, I don't want to go to the effort to set up that tip up, but I've had it make my day, you know, more than enough. So I, I, it's, it's worth the extra 10, 10 minutes of setup. And then that line, no matter what you're doing, if you're cooking lunch or, you know, you happen to fall asleep on the ice, that tip up is still in the water and could potentially catch you a fish. So, and like so much of the other gear we've talked about, there's a range in price, right? You can spend anywhere from, you know, a, a minimal entry point for a, a basic tip up to some of the jaw jackers, iFish Pro that are, you know, considerably more expensive, but, but you've got yeah. those options. Yeah. And you can make up a homemade, I've seen people use like uh, two liter, two liter bottles and they tie the line. And then they'll, they'll leave that, that bottle 30 yards away from their hole 
So when the fish starts pulling, you'll see that bottle start bouncing on the ice towards the hole and it can't pull that, it can't pull the pop bottle down the hole if you're fishing like an eight inch hole or something. So it's like, you can get as creative as you want. Like, you know, tip ups are more convenient and everything, but I've heard of people doing, yeah, the pop, I think they call it pop canning. They do it in the springtime for lake trout up here too, but it's like, you can get creative. You can use branches and line and, and people set those up by a hole with a little piece of flagging tape on the end. And when it starts bending, you know, there you go. So I think, I think just getting creative is so important. I've seen, yeah, people are pretty creative on ice fishing. And if, if, you know, like, like I keep saying, don't let, don't let budget or gear not being in stock stand in the way because you can, you can always make a way. Yeah. And I think that is a really good point. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, our grandparents fished with a stick with a little nail in the end with some line wrapped around it and you just stick yeah. it in the ice. I mean, it can be, it can be very basic when it comes to ice fishing for, for me or people that I'm introducing to the sport. I know one of the things we touched on a little bit is, you know, being comfortable on the ice, getting cold yeah. when it comes to clothing or apparel or, you know, different things to keep you warm. Is there any advice that you would give there? Yeah. I mean, you could have a fantastic jacket, but like a base layer is just so key. And there were so many years of ice fishing where I had like very inadequate suits and no base layer. And I was just always cold. And it's like, you can have a marginal suit, but if you have a base layer, that's so like a base layer is like a, it could be a Merino wool or some sort of wicking type um, clothing. Like I have, yeah, a, a bunch of different companies make them like an Under Armour Cabela's. They all make these base layers, smart wool, and pretty much it, it hugs your body tight. And, um, it's just that, that first, you know, that first layer that's going to keep you so warm and you can layer afterwards. Um, you know, sweating on the ice is pretty bad. So often when I'm walking out to a lake, if I'm pulling a toboggan, I'll only have that base layer and a sweater on because if you start sweating on the ice, that'll turn into a chill. So that's something else to keep in mind. Um, like, yeah, I, I can't stress how important a base layer is. Um, because without that, you're just going to lose so much heat right off the start. So base layer. Make sure you're layering up. Um, yeah. How about boots? I know a lot of people, their feet get cold out on the ice. You're standing on the ice, sitting on the ice. What do you, I know there's hundreds of different options in that regard, but any advice to somebody looking at maybe buying a better pair of boots? Yeah. Yeah. There are different options. I, uh, the, the boots I have are some crazy rubber boots are called uh, Dunlop oil riggers. And they're like steel toed rubber boots that are crazy. And then there's this insert I wear called the Bama boot. Are you, are you guys familiar with those? I think I saw them on a couple of your videos. Yep. Yeah. So I, I only got into them recently because people commented after that, how to dress for ice fishing video, which was great because I mean, I do a lot of ice fishing. I think I've info to share, but like there's people that have been doing it way longer than me. So when someone said, try these Bama boots, I'm like, Oh, I actually own some. I just never wear them. So I tried out these Bama boots. I'm like, this is amazing. So it takes like a tight, it's like a little sleeping bag for your boots, a sleeping bag for your feet. And then they go into the boots. But I mean, it depends on, on the season, like rubber boots are going to be colder, but they're going to be more waterproof, right? If it gets, if you get water in your boots, you're, you're kind of hooped, but then there's those like leather style, you know, more hiking boots that may be less waterproof, but they're probably going to be warmer. So that's kind of where I did the hybrid with wearing rubber boots and the Bama boots. Um, 
but basically just don't, don't cheap out on those because cold feet is probably going to end your day. That'll be probably the first thing that'll get cold and end your day. And I mean, as far as if you are in the shack and you're struggling with cold feet, buy yourself some of those rubber interlocking mats. Those like workout mats. That's what a lot of people use for ice camping. But if you can just get your feet off of the snow, elevate them a little bit. If you are struggling with cold feet um, or have bad circulation, I know that is something that'll, you know, accentuate any, any coldness is uh, yeah. Get, get your feet off the ground or even put some, uh, put some of those hand warmers in your boots. I know that's what uh, my wife, Sam does. She, she gets cold really quick. So she'll put, she'll put uh, hand warmers in her gloves and in her boots that they stay warm for like three hours. So it's, it, it helps a lot. These are great tips for everybody, but certainly um, in my mind, I'm thinking if you're bringing kids out there, you know, just having those little mats to keep their feet from touching the ice and, and just the basic rules, like don't let them get bored. Don't let them go hungry and don't let them get cold. Right. You do those three things. You're going to have a good day on the ice with your kids. They do apply to everybody. So we can all learn a little bit from, uh, from those good tips and advice. Jay, what are we missing? What are we missing here? So we've talked about a lot of different areas of, of beginner ice fishing one oh one. Yeah. And I mean, I think now it's more, uh, this is something that I'm going to sound like a broken record over the next couple months, but like now's the time to as much as buying gear is good, like hire a guide because the cool thing is a guide's going to have all that gear. You get to try out all of his gear. He's going to tell you what he likes. He doesn't like guides have been hurting over the last two years. And it's like, no one's been traveling. So get yourself a guide. Like that could be, you know, renting an ice castle or a, a snow bear rental. There's, there's a, a snow bear rental place on like Winnipeg. I've gone to a couple of times. That's, that's fantastic. Or, or yeah, or just a guy that's going to take you out on, on a snow machine or out on the ice roads or whatever. Like, the beauty of that is it's just a crash course, right? I can only tell you so much from video. I can't hold your hand and, and help you jig, right? But if you hire a guide, you know, you split between a couple of guys, it's, you know, a couple hundred bucks or 500 bucks and takes the family out and you're getting to try all the gear. You're probably going to catch fish if, if your guide's decent and you can ask all the questions you want. So I, I think the value in that is incredible. And now's the time to, you know, give back to the tourism industry. So I would say, you know, before you buy someone a flasher for Christmas, buy them a guided trip if they just want to get into it. And then they'll decide if it's something they want to pursue more and what gear they like, what gear they don't like. That is fantastic advice. I mean, honestly, because you are spot on, Jay, just the amount of knowledge you can learn from spending time on the ice from someone who's an expert, who's a professional yeah. at it is incredible. So yeah, great, great Great advice. Hey, personally, what do you have ahead of yourself here this winter? Anything we need to be watching for? Oh, man. So I'm going to be dropping the trailer any day now. Probably by the time this podcast goes up, it'll, the video might be live. But uh, I did uh, I did a fly-in ice fishing trip this winter. I My buddy's a flow plane pilot. And I said, can you drop me off on a lake for the night? And he's like, sure. So this is actually a, a film that Ion and Eskimo partnered with me on. And um it's, it's, uh, it's pretty unique. I've done lots of flying fishing trips, but not flying ice fishing. So essentially I got flown into the middle of the Canadian shield. It took him two trips to get the you know, shack and the auger and, and propane and everything. He dropped me off on a lake. I knew like nothing about and left me there for the night. And I mean, some fish were caught. I don't want to, you know, spoil the video, but, uh, a pretty cool experience. I think something I'm going to do more this winter. Um, so that that's one video. I filmed a couple of videos last winter and that's one that I was very excited to launch this winter. Um, but other than that, I'm just excited to get back on the ice. I think, uh, I think by mid November, I should be able to find ice somewhere. I don't know how far North it's funny because you guys are like, Oh, we're going to go North. We're going to come up to Kenora. We're going to come up to Pine Falls to Lake Winnipeg, right? 
for me, it's like, I want to go to the end of the road in, in Manitoba, which is like a 16 hour drive North. So I'm, that's where I'm checking the forecast for. It's not here. I'm checking it for 16 hours North. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of cool chasing the ice, you know? Speaking of the end of the road, I know this is an ice fishing podcast, but your trip and your video chasing Arctic char up there was absolutely amazing. And folks, thank you. If you're not one of the, if, if you're one of the three people in this world who's not following Jay Siemens on, on <laughs> YouTube, you need to watch it. And it's specifically that video is pretty incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I like the storytelling stuff and that's, I think what I want to do more of this winter and try to do some, some other unique things on the ice. I want to do uh blue walleyes. You guys familiar with blue walleyes? Yeah. Yeah. So there's them, some yeah. lakes there's some lakes in this area that have these blue walleyes and they're like so blue. I've heard stories that like you lay them on the ice and they'll leave blue residue on the snow. Like they'll change. So I don't know. I, uh, I've got Lake of the woods in my backyard and there's so much cool stuff to do, but I, I want to tell some of those weird stories too. So my mind's always spinning about, you know, how can I, you know, do, do, try to do something unique. Right. So that's, and bring you guys along for it. So. No, that's awesome. That's great information. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing all of that. I know personally, I live vicariously through some of you Northern guys for the first couple of weeks of the season. Cause we're still down here waiting for the ice to form. Yep. Um, how was, uh, how was, you know, just kind of looking back at, you know, everything through this past summer. And I know we're kind of still in the fall and you've been doing a little bit of deer hunting and things. How's that been going too? Uh, you know what? I, I, I never understood the dilemma of fishermen and hunters about like, I remember w- before I cared about hunting at all and people were like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you guys are still fishing. It's deer hunting time. And now I've kind of, I feel like hunting is more of a hobby for me. So I'm just like, now I understand the appeal and, and the, you know, like now I understand why people put their boat away so early because they want a deer hunt. Right. So I'm kind of happy this year that there's a little bit of a, uh, it's been a warm spell. So I'm going to get a deer hunt and I'm not going to be missing first ice. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. So I'm probably going to be sitting in the blind tonight, hopefully tagging, tagging out so I can, uh, so I can start getting ice fishing gear ready. But yeah, summer was great. And uh, I'm just looking forward to, you know, travel being more ease this year and being able to spend a lot of time in the North and just road trips, road trips with buddies. I did a lot of fishing by myself in the past year. I can't complain, but uh, I live for the, the memories made with other people. It's uh it's you, you talking to a camera by yourself all the time. You start to feel like a crazy person after a while. So I'd, I'd rather share that with someone else in the boat. Absolutely. No, being, being in the outdoors, sharing that time with other people is really what it's all about. And we're looking forward to that as well. And getting to getting to spend that time on the ice with other people that we maybe didn't get to in the, the past year or two. So really looking forward to that. Jay, thanks again for spending some time with us. If you don't follow Jay, Look him up on YouTube. I know uh, a lot of great content out there and a lot more great content to come. So thanks again for spending some time with us. And for everybody listening, thanks again for joining us on another great episode of Shack Talk. Uh, Until next time, get out on the lake, get out there, have some fun, and get out ice fishing. 